You don't even like sports. Welcome to You Don't Even Like Sports, a podcast about sports for people who don't like sports. With your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Jeff May. Well, Adam, guess what? What? You don't even like sports. Jeff, no, I was going to say that to you. You don't even like sports. No, no, no. But the thing I said is that you don't even like sports, which is exactly not only the title of this podcast, but a fact. Well, here's another fact. You don't even like killing a guy. Uh, I'm going to counter with another fact. Tony Stewart uh, has conflicted about his opinions on (laughs) killing a guy because he definitely killed a guy. He sure did. And we have reached that point in this podcast, which is called You Don't Even Like Sports. We should say that. I'm Adam Todd Brown. And I'm Jeff May, and Tony Stewart killed a guy. He killed a guy in front of spectators. He killed a guy like like in the Coliseum. But instead <laughs> Kinda, of a sword, yeah. he used a, a funny car. <laughs> he, used a, he used a sprint car. Sprint car, which is a very weird car. We'll talk about in a little bit what those look like. We're jumping a, kind of more than a decade ahead in Tony Stewart's career here. Which I think... At first, the original reaction is like, oh, well, that seems odd. We would, we haven't normally done that thing where we've jumped like a full decade. But the thing about it is, is we can talk about that previous decade as he's had a consistency of being an all-star in racing with a, a penchant for being known as a bad boy. Right. Yeah. Just, I think we could just, that would have been an episode. It's just, he continued to do very well and he was uh, still kind of an asshole out loud. Yeah. His, his story carries on kind of as it was in episode two, which is all about him being the bad boy racing. And bad boy. That carries on for a few years. And then we get to this point in history, which is 2014. And it's it's a whole new Tony Stewart, Jeff. He's, he's it is. more mature. It's, it's, it's a Tony Stewart that's like, should I hit this guy with my car? Yeah. Yeah. He's a little more contemplative about his acts of violence. This is a quote from him around that time, speaking to the Associated Press in 2011. It was inevitable that I would eventually grow up. And here's the thing. Was it? I don't know if that's true. Yeah. And I mean, I would like to add, too, that, that there's something to be said about when you're like, it was inevitable that I would eventually grow up. It's like, yeah, but the thing is, is that you've been like your formative years of this were your teens and early 20s. Like, yeah. Look at anybody who got rich and famous as a teenager or somebody in their early 20s and you're like oh you're not gonna this is the odds are not good but it was kind of the general consensus around this time that tony stewart had chilled out a little bit even though there was that incident in 2012 foreshadowing alert here where he walked out on the track and threw his helmet at a car that was passing because he was angry about something that happened in the race but those moments were fewer and far between by this point, by 2014. And he had reportedly seen a therapist for anger management, very healthy, had moved back to Indiana where he could have unlimited access to guns, also very healthy. And then drive him up the uh, iron highway in that fast car of his. Iron pipeline. The iron pipeline, excuse me. Yeah, that's how Chicago gets all its guns. Thanks, Indiana. And As we mentioned previously, before joining NASCAR, Tony Stewart raced in a bunch of other leagues and car types with these weird-looking sprint cars being one of them. He raced everything. He's like, what are we doing, ostriches? 
We're doing ostrich races? I'm in. Let's Swiss Family Robinson this shit. Let's go. And yeah, most drivers would use Sprint Car as a stepping stone to get to NASCAR. Like a lot of drivers did that. But Tony Stewart, his whole ascent in NASCAR, that whole time, he was still going out and racing in these dirt track races around the country. It should be added that in spite of the fact that we are not necessarily aggressively sympathetic towards him, it shouldn't be misstated that this is a person who clearly loves racing, that Tony Stewart is a person who thrives off of the competition and sport of racing. Right. And he was especially enamored with sprint car. He even had a video game called Tony Stewart's Sprint Car Racing. So it wasn't all that unusual that he would go out and do these races. It's a thing that, like, you see bands do it. They have a big arena show in town, and the night before they'll pop up at a club and do, like, a secret, unannounced gig. This was very similar to that. Whenever Tony Stewart had, like, in this case, he had a race at Watkins Glen that weekend. So he would show up at these small dirt tracks, and he would race in those races the night before which you're right, it, it really does speak to how much he loved racing. And it's kind of a, just a cool thing of him to do. It would be like if you had a minor league team, a minor league baseball team, and like Mike Trout just dropped in and decided to play center field for your team one day. And you're like, what? whoa, I can go see Mike Trout in my town? In, in, com- in the comedy world, we call those drop-ins. I think we right. uh, we've both experienced that where you're like you're going you pay a couple bucks to see, you know, a regular stand up show with some maybe not so famous people. And it's like, oh, and Chris Rock happens to be in town filming and he wanted to get in a 10 minute set. Right. And you're like, Jesus Christ, like that happens regularly in stand up whenever whenever people were in town and they were like kind of wanting to see a celebrity. I was like, go to any stand up show like there's a good chance that if it's in a club, you're going to see someone you've seen in movies. Yeah, the way it, one of the ways I experienced it, the first time I did a show at the Hollywood Improv, I was supposed to follow Michael Swaim, who uh, had even less comedy experience than me. So I was like, yeah, that's fine, no problem. And then not long before I was due to go up, they the, the owner of the club came up to me and said, uh, actually, we had a drop-in, so you're following... Now I can't think of the guy's name. The guy that bombed on Jimmy Kimmel talking about tacos. Oh, um, uh, fucking what's Rob Delaney? Yeah. They were like, uh, now you're following Rob Delaney. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely ready for this. But here's the cool, thing. Cool. I did great. <laughs> and yeah, so Tony Stewart would do this kind of thing all the time. It was really common for him. So it wasn't unusual that on the night of August 9th, 2014, Tony Stewart was competing in a sprint car race at a small dirt track called Canandaigua Motorsports Park in upstate New York. Gotta love upstate New York. This is how you know a story's gonna be bad. Is It's like, this whole thing takes place in upstate New York. You're like, oh, like Copland? Yeah. I lived in Copland for six months, basically, before I moved to the West Coast. Horrifying. Easily the most racist place I've ever lived. Upstate New York is the kind of place that, like, people are stuck in and you're like oh no like they're like well it's nice like it's beautiful you know i like my community but i gotta get out of here yeah i have to escape for one thing there's too many retired cops around too many cops so tony stewart would do this kind of thing all the time he had a race at watkins Glen that weekend 
But uh, and the, it's a good thing, but it it's also Tony Stewart. And Tony Stewart is going to Tony Stewart in every situation, including these small dirt track races. It's not like he was going to show up and go easy on people. Like, he's there because he wants to race, and he's racing because he wants to win. And so a year prior to what happened on August 9th, 2014, on that same track, Tony Stewart had triggered a 15-car pileup that broke another driver's neck. Tony Stewart broke a guy's neck. (laughs) He sure did. And a month later, he crashed at another small dirt track in Iowa, breaking two bones in his leg and ending his NASCAR season. Imagine if you were his NASCAR team. Yeah. To be like, he's like, sorry, guys, I was doing a little funny car race and I uh, cost you thousands of dollars. Yeah. I wonder if by that time he owned his own team. I think he I think he did. I think he he that's the one thing that we sort of uh, have glanced over is is the year that he um, sort of left Gibbs and became his own uh, team owner. Right. Because he is one of the only drivers to win as an owner and as a driver. Mm -hmm. And so in this case, he this weekend, he was due to race in the Cheez-It 355 at Watkins Glen, which I'll tell you this. I fuck with a spicy Cheez-It. Let me tell you. They used to be the green Tabasco cheese it. Right. And then they must have lost that uh, license. They kept that recipe because the spicy cheese it is exactly that. And they're a tasty fucking treat. They are wonderful. And so this race is carrying on, as you would expect, a Tony Stewart race too. And by that, I mean, at one point, he hit a fellow driver's car and sent that car spinning into the wall. I mean, it's Tony Stewart you're racing against. That's going to happen. Yeah. Things happen. This is not, this is, this is just Tony Stewart being Tony Stewart driving. Guy gets hit into a wall. This shit happens in racing. Sometimes people break their necks. Sometimes you break your leg. This shit happens. Right. And another thing that happened a lot around this time in NASCAR and just in racing in general is it wouldn't be unusual to, uh, you know, get out and confront that driver that hit you when they come back around. And that's what Kevin Ward Jr. did. He was the driver that Tony Stewart hit. He was a 20-year-old kid, basically. And Tony Stewart spins him out into a wall. So Kevin Ward Jr. gets out and decides to confront Tony Stewart next time he comes around. Yeah, this is the judgment moment, by the way. This is the, this right here is the, this is the crux. This is the thing that like kind of, we have this series of unfortunate chain reactions that are going to come down and it's it this is where it all gets uglier and uglier right because you you never want to victim blame like that's that's a bad thing but also what happened to kevin ward jr next was very avoidable yes and i would argue all parties involved could have avoided it I, i would like to circle back real quick tony stewart became an owner in around 2008 nice uh so kevin ward jr gets out of his car to confront tony stewart when he passes again and as tony stewart's car is passing him it fishtails and kevin ward jr gets hit by the back right tire of the car gets dragged under it for a couple seconds and then gets thrown a distance yeah this is a very uh, this is ugly this is one of those things where you look at it and you're and you're just kind of like fuck like you there are videos that you wish you never saw kind of a thing and oh, yeah. this to me is one of them where like anytime i see someone fucking die 
I'm always just like, oh, I didn't need to, I did not need to see that. Now it's funny because Ward really is sort of inhabiting the spirit of Tony Stewart in being a young hothead kid. And remember a kid, he's a kid going out on the track and fucking whipping his helmet. That's very Tony Stewart. Yeah, Tony Stewart, like we mentioned earlier, had done this exact same thing at a NASCAR race in 2012. And in this case, Kevin Ward Jr. got hit by Tony Stewart while doing it, was pronounced dead 45 minutes later at F.F. Thompson Hospital. Ever been? Yeah. Uh, Big fan. Yeah. It's a nice one. It's a nice one. Fantastic Four Thompson Hospital, like we all know. And uh, you know, this, he was pronounced dead 45 minutes later, but I think anybody that saw that is like, oh, he's, he's dead. He went flying f- like 50 yards. Yeah, he, he flies a long way, and it's pretty obvious. Right, I, I think the impact with the tire is actually what killed him. You th- yeah, a car going 70 miles an hour on a fucking dirt road, sucking him under and running him over for a couple seconds? Yeah, that's going to be fucking brutal. Yeah. And here's the thing. There's some speculation Tony Stewart wasn't going 70. He was probably going much faster. Everyone else was slowing down. But we'll we'll get there. Uh, within days, the Ontario County Sheriff, a guy named Philip Pavero, said that there were no charges pending in this, which seems fast for what looks like vehicular manslaughter, potentially, to yeah. just come out right away and go, nope, no charges. That's fine. It's boys being boys, you know. Yeah, it's just racing. It's just racing, man. We don't we don't want to we don't want to cancel racing just because a couple of guys are dead. Get out of here. And an autopsy conducted a few days later concluded that Kevin Ward Jr. died of a massive blunt force trauma. If you can believe that. Yeah, I always feel like the uh, the autopsy for that should have been just the guy watching the video and he's like, oh, he was killed by the car. Yeah, it's the he car was hit by that, a car. Right. You see, you want me to pause it right here? Yeah, it's this, right. See there point. when the when Tony Stewart hits the guy, well, he killed the guy. Yeah, that's that's a that's the one. Yeah, that's it. These are uh, these are some initial accounts from the weekend of the incident, and we'll link to all of these articles on on pops.com as usual. Uh, this is a quote. It's kind of a long one. Tony pinched him into the front stretch wall. A racing thing. The right rear tire went down. He spun on the exit of turn two. They threw the caution, and everything was toned down. Kevin got out of his car. He was throwing his arms up all over the place at Tony for most of the corner. I know Tony couldn't see him. I know how you can see out of those cars. When Tony got close to him, he hit the throttle. When you hit a throttle on a sprint car, the car sets sideways. It set sideways. The right rear tire hit Kevin. Kevin was sucked underneath and was stuck under it for a second or two. And then it threw him about 50 yards. That is sprint car racer Tyler Graves, who was sitting in the stands. I need to move. There's something to be said about the behavior of a car on this kind of a track in this kind of a car to not pretend that the guy who has his own fucking video game for this kind of car doesn't know how this car is going to react in all conditions. Yeah, that's the thing. Every driver who is interviewed about this seems to say the same general thing about what these cars do when you do what Tony Stewart did behind the wheel. And it's not good for Tony Stewart. I mean, we'll get to it. Not a lot of repercussions, but still. (laughs) Yeah, it it really comes down to every driver that's interviewed is like, oh, Tony Stewart killed a guy. 
Right. And the the thing that's important from that quote, I think, is where he says uh, it's a racing thing. As we mentioned in the Dale Earnhardt episode, what Tony Stewart did here really was standard racing stuff that racing fans tend to embrace. And yeah, it puts people in danger, but they're they're mostly fine. And here's another quote. People who could see it better said the guy got out of his car and was gesturing angrily at Tony Stewart when Tony Stewart came by during the next lap under yellow. He approached him, and evidently when he was driving by the guy standing on the track gesturing at him, he gunned his engine. What happened was the back end kicked out and clipped the guy, and the guy flew across the track. That is Rich Willis, a spectator. And uh, here's another quote from Tyler Graves. You never mean to do something like that. Kevin was pissed and he let Tony know and Tony was trying to give the message back that he wasn't happy either. He went over the line with it. Just a little and bit. yeah, just just kind of kind of kind of pushed it a little a too much. Little and manslaughter. If it sounds like Tyler Graves is being a Tony Stewart apologist there, please note he also says this in the same article. Tony Stewart needs to be put in prison for life. Yeesh. For life. Like the That's New a World long Order. Time. Rodman's in the New World Order for life. This is a complicated incident for sure. Because again, you don't want to victim blame, but this could have been avoided. Kevin Ward Jr. could have stayed in his car. If you look at the video, the track is very dimly lit and he's wearing a black suit. So not <laughs> the best suit? conditions to run out into the middle of a bunch of passing cars. Well... I mean, when you really think about it, too, like all the conditions like these night races, these like under the lights, like these are a big deal for local local towns and stuff. These are fun. They're designed to be a good time. Night racing is super cool. You know, like the crowd seems to get really into it. Right. Isn't that a thing that NASCAR was really pushing was more night races? I think so. Yeah. Like they're fun. It's fun to do that. There was probably like a demolition derby before that or something stupid. You know, like it's a whole fucking event. And then. uh and then Tony Stewart killed the guy. Yeah, this this really is. I, wa- I want people listening to wrap your head around what has just happened here. You're living in a tiny, tiny town in upstate New York, and all of a sudden, Tony Stewart is racing at your local racetrack, and he kills a guy. Like, it would be like if Prince showed up at your tiny town bar and just played a surprise show and then, like, murdered a local musician on stage. You'd be like, Prince killed a guy. And everyone would be like, ah. yeah, but like Raspberry Beret. Yeah, like, what's, it, what's he going to do? It was just like, part of the show. Yeah, Tony Stewart do Purple Rain. Then maybe we'll give him a little leeway. <laughs> so as much as we want to call Tony Stewart a villain here, because he is, we do have to acknowledge Kevin Ward Jr.'s role in this. And... Especially because Tony Stewart kind of ties into that also. Like we mentioned a bunch on this podcast, racing fans have kind of encouraged really aggressive driving. And by embracing Tony Stewart and all his antics, they kind of encouraged what Kevin Ward Jr. did that night. He wasn't the first driver to confront a car on a racetrack. And Tony Stewart had done it. A bunch of other drivers had done it. And... People like that kind of thing, too. It just become a thing you expect. Oh, there's a crash. Maybe he's going to get out and confront the driver. Maybe there'll be some fisticuffs. Well, it's also like a very sort of like 
toxic masculine reaction to these things like like being a hothead and challenging a person who took you out that's considered being a man and remember nascar is is a sport that is rooted in a mentality that you would probably say is traditionally aggressively masculine oh yeah fixing cars racing cars like not taking no guff from anybody like you're not going to be a success you're not going to be or popular by the way in in racing if you're not kind of a bit of a badass Right. And the thing about actions like this, it's it's fine if you want to embrace them as a sport, but you got to realize it's going to end in this at some point. Like someone's yeah. going to get hit by a car. And like the NFL has a rule where if you take your helmet off on the field, it's an immediate penalty. And the reason for that is because that's a very vulnerable situation to put yourself in. Mm-hmm. To be in full football uniform but take your helmet off, like you're asking for a head injury. So they they just ban it outright. It's a, a huge penalty if you do it. And there needed to be a rule against this. And there had not been for a long, long time. It has a it has a good old boy vibe to it, that like gentleman's agreement. You know, like because we, we can't we when we talk about this, we understand that that racing is a is a national sport here. And, and racing is a global sport. You know, we talked about the Le Mans and all this stuff. But NASCAR is rooted in Southern good old boy roots. To pretend that there isn't this, oh, man, we don't, we ain't doing nothing, just a gentleman's handshake. Like, that still is prevalent in that kind of thinking. And so it's going to shift itself in towards this thing. And we even are going to discuss this where NASCAR is going to say, well, we didn't think we had to. We yeah. thought it was common sense. Like, you don't get out of your car. Don't get out of your car, man. That dog won't hunt. That dog won't hunt me. <laughs> yeah, you would think, well, why hadn't NASCAR had a rule like this in place? And the temptation is to be like, well, duh, they shouldn't have to tell people not to get out of their cars during an active race. And yeah, that's true right up until the point where you do have to tell someone because they take it too far and they die. Like, <laughs> They kind of encouraged what happened that night. Like this was just the culture in NASCAR at the time. If you, it's it's interesting too, and and I, I implore the the listener to Google Kevin Ward Jr. and just look at what he looks like. He looks like a kid because he's a kid, right? That also can't be stressed enough that Tony Stewart was what like an eighteen year veteran. Yeah, he was forty three when this happened. Oh yeah, he's been at it for a fucking while, man, and he sees a kid getting angry and instead of being like man i remember what it was like when i was that he's like i think i'm gonna kind of fuck this guy up a little bit yeah and it like nascar is like the mcdonald's of racing if they're allowing something every other racing league is basically gonna allow it too and at this time with nascar having this freewheeling image where you could get out and confront drivers as they passed you in their car NASCAR was perpetuating this thing that happened. Like, this was an accepted action at the time. And, like, it's, it's kind of like how bat flipping was never a thing. And then one guy started flipping his bat after home runs. And then the entire league was like, oh, we can do that? We can celebrate yeah. in that way? Sure, let's start flipping bats. And when and NASCAR was telling that, people... I was going to say, in the follow-up to that is then pitchers were like, let's start throwing at people that flip their bats. Exactly. Yeah. 
And baseball's like, like eh, probably fine too until someone dies. It's kind of an arms race when you yeah. really think about that. It's it's the showmanship and and I think we've discussed actually the showmanship and the and the sort of rules of baseball, like the unwritten rules that are fucking stupid as fuck. Where it's just like, oh, we're gonna throw a, a ninety-eight mile an hour fastball at the side of your fucking head because we thought you were rude after you hit a home run. Like, <laughs> yeah, what it's the nuts. fuck, man? That's a fucking crime. Yeah, and it, it's it's crazy how the the predominantly white leagues always get away with sanctioned violence. It's it's interesting because we can, we're probably going we're going to go after hockey at some point in time. But there is a fascinating documentary about um, hockey hooligans that actually in, in areas where um, fighting is banned, injuries are higher. Oh because, wow! Because it's, there is no repercussion. There's no actual repercussion for hard hits and and unsportsmanlike conduct. So it ends up causing far more concussions, which is fascinating. Yeah, it is. So like, I'm not absolving Tony Stewart of any guilt here, but I think he shares the guilt with NASCAR in this case. And with anyone who perpetuated this idea that, well, this is a a smart way to behave. Get out, get out of your car and confront drivers when they pass you. Like they encouraged it. And this is the inevitable end of, an idea like that and then after this happened of course nascar put a rule in place and said you can't get out of your car it's the macho way to handle it right it's the manly way to fucking die yeah and one of the questions that happened after this was can auto racing be expected to regulate emotional outbursts like this and of course like of course they can yeah like they are the governing body that's called being an organization yeah (laughs) like like, yeah, man, you fucking if in boxing, somebody punches a guy in the back of the, if somebody bites a chunk of somebody's fucking ear off, they are regulated through that. They face fines and penalties. There's a fucking reason for emotional outbursts being dealt with. Yeah. Even if it's entertaining, like you got to understand it's going to end in something like this someday. And so less than a week after Kevin Ward Jr.'s death, NASCAR announced a new rule mandating drivers stay in their cars after an accident until safety workers arrive or unless there's smoke or fire, which necessitates an immediate exit. And NASCAR claimed they were just enforcing a rule that was informally already in place. But if that's the case, no one was following that rule, obviously. And this is a There's a few interesting quotes from drivers around that time. This is Matt Kenseth. You just don't even think about those other cars going by. And the slowest they're going by at a place like Pocono is 70. Anybody who has ever changed their tire along an interstate knows that's still pretty fast and things can happen. I think it's good to spell it out, which, of course, it's good to put it in stone that, no, don't get out of your car in a situation like this. I, uh, I would like to go back to what I said earlier about being on the dirt track and, and Tony Stewart going 70 miles an hour. I was using the Pocono, which is uh, asphalt, uh, I right. believe, uh, as the as the comparison. And I, I just wanted to correct myself back there of I don't actually know how fast he was going when it, when he clipped him. Well, I think you're right that I think at least 70 ish is what you're supposed to slow down to in that situation. And Tony yeah. Stewart did not. Yeah. I don't know what the dirt track rules are. Yeah. And we probably never will, to be honest. Like, I'm not going to look into it. Yeah, no, man. What, what are we, researching this shit? Get yeah, out of here. It's not what this podcast is about. GTFO. So the the bad boy element 
of NASCAR, of course, had something to say about these rules. This is 2012 Sprint Cup champion Brad Kozlowski. Brad. Kozlowski. I'll never understand the line of thinking behind constantly creating more rules and laws to eliminate problems that an education could prevent. We all received a very painful education last week. That's where it should end. Oh, you like this is he might as well run on the libertarian ticket with a fucking thing like that. Yeah. And like, what do you need that? Do you need to get out of your car and try to beat up another car? Do you need to stab a fucking NASCAR car? Just stay in your fucking car, man. Yeah. And like, you're right that it is kind of a libertarian sort of notion where it's like, oh, why do we more rules? And it's like, of course you need these rules. Like, look what happened. Yeah, of course like, you need that rule. Yeah. With, without that rule, Tony Stewart killed a guy. And it's like if you flash back to our last episode about the death of Dale Earnhardt Sr., even in the face of all of this evidence that he died because his head and neck was not properly restrained, you still had to drag a bunch of these dudes kicking and screaming into that era of NASCAR where people finally started protecting their head and neck. And Tony Stewart was one of the last ones to go for it. So, like, of course you need the rules, and you need to enforce the rules. Fucking bad boy. Shut up, Brad. Shut the fuck up, Brad. Every Brad. Just shut up. Yeah. Jimmy Johnson, though, came through like the champion he is with a counter quote to all of that. I don't think that entertainment value should come with any safety implications. Safety is the number one priority for drivers, crew members, and the officials that are out there on the racetrack. And if it turns a few fans off, then in my opinion, they're a fan for the wrong reason. Hell yeah, man. Think about all of the safety regulations. Like, could you imagine these guys driving with fucking like those old football leather helmets that they used to wear? (laughs) Yeah. There's more than enough, man. I don't need anything else. Like when hockey players, when goalies were forced to wear masks. And they were like, oh, I don't know about this. And it's like, or are you helmets. fucking kidding me? Didn't they finally mandate helmets in the yes. NHL? In the in the 80, late 80s or early 90s, I want to say. And there were all, they, like a couple of players were um, grandfathered in from that. But a lot of, I know like Ray Bork was one of the ones that was grandfathered in, but he was like, no, I'm wearing a fucking helmet. I don't want to be fucking being spoon fed soup for the rest of my life. But like yeah, there was, was like. Even hockey goalies, when they were told they had to wear masks because they're like, a lot of fucking pucks are coming at your face. They were pissed about it. Yeah, it's insane. Like, and you see it with every sport, every rule like this that's put in place. There's always that, I think toxic is the right word, yeah. that toxic element that's like, no, I, li- I like when it's a little more dangerous. Yeah. And it's Ty like, Cobb. Ty Cobb's like, I can't even bring my gun out on the field now. <laughs> the fuck He probably here. still had a gun, yeah. though the fuck it fuck you fuck you man ty cobb he'd be an interesting season i, I real i was like as i'm saying this i'm like okay we <laughs> got to do a season on ty cobb so fast forward to september of 2014 and the public is anxiously awaiting word as to what charges if any tony stewart is going to face over this and ontario county da michael tantillo took the case to a grand jury at which point Tony Stewart was in consideration for two charges, either second-degree manslaughter or criminally negligent homicide. That sounds like a cool crime. Like, those words mixed is pretty dope. Yeah, manslaughter, just, like, Brian Regan has a whole bit about that. Like, that's the one that should mean murder, and murder should be the one that's, like, manslaughter. Mm -hmm. Like, it just sounds so badass. 
Yeah. And so the grand jury heard testimony from over two dozen witnesses, including drivers, track employees, medical personnel, and two accident experts, deliberated for less than an hour before deciding that Tony Stewart should be charged with nothing. No charges at all. Well, what's an hour? Yeah, I mean, they, they considered it. That's like a whole hour? A whole hour? An entire Sesame Street? Are you kidding me? Yeah, they probably missed a lot of good television cumulatively in that room. Yeah, let's see. What was it? Breaking Bad at the time? You know, it was a good good time yeah. for Breaking Bad? Or was that Man. over? Yeah. Who knows? So included in the evidence that the grand jury saw were two videos of the incident. The one that went viral on YouTube and another from the racetrack. And this is a really interesting quote from that DA, Michael Tantillo. The videos did not demonstrate any aberrational driving by Tony Stewart until the point of impact with Kevin Ward, at which point his vehicle veered to the right up the track as a result of the collision. Prior to that, his course was pretty straight. So is he saying Tony Stewart drove perfect until the moment he hit the guy? Because I think what, that is the question. He's he's saying he drove perfectly until he made contact and then he veered off to the right as a result of the contact. Mm. But look at the video. Is that what happened? Yeah, you have to look at the video and you have to take the word of his fellow drivers into account. We've already heard from two who were like, yeah, if you gun your engine like that on a dirt track in a sprint car, your car is going to fishtail to the right. And I think what this is, is a case of this DA not really being either. They just didn't want to charge Tony Stewart. That could be one thing or just not being familiar enough with racing. Like, I I don't know where you're going to find a DA with a racing background. Here's here's how I feel uh, about this. If I were to guess, I would say that the odds of them winning are slim. Tony Stewart can afford a great lawyer. It's hard to assess intent, especially when somebody is behind the wheel of a vehicle that it's not 100% clear. And the other part about that is it's a small local town. You know, it's we're not talking about New York City. You know, we're not talking about Los Angeles. We're talking about upstate New York to prosecute a NASCAR, a famous NASCAR driver for, quote, doing his job. Like you're not there's a, it's a no win situation for that D.A. Oh, yeah, most likely. So like fucking. Yeah. Like if, if you let me not have to pers- prosecute this, I'm OK with it, I think is probably his thought process. And this is another quote from him. The grand jury was never tasked with the responsibility of anything other than to determine whether there was enough evidence to file charges against Tony Stewart. They weren't considering whether anybody else was at fault. However, I'm sure from their deliberations and discussions that the fact that Kevin Ward was observed running basically two thirds of the track into a hot track in the middle of other cars that still were racing played a big, big factor in their decision. They say still we're racing, but that's a yellow. It was a caution flag. Yeah, that's the thing. Like they're not. He's leaving a lot of factors that a lot of drivers who were there have brought up, which is the one he gunned his engine when he passed the guy, which was going to do a very predictable thing to his car. And two, it was a caution. All these other drivers managed to evade Kevin Ward Jr. without gunning their engine. You just move. Yeah. And in that caution, one of the protocols is you have to be near the bottom of the track because the crash is up there. So it's a caution. Everyone has to stay away. And 
magically Tony Stewart just happened to be close enough to hit this guy. I mean, weird. I mean, it makes well. I mean, he put to be fair, he put himself in the position to be close enough to to, to Tony Stewart in an area where they all had to be low. So that necessarily isn't like the big mystery about it. But what it really yeah. comes down to is Tony Stewart claiming or or like sort of insinuating that he's like, well, I didn't even see the guy. It's like, yeah, you did. Of course you did. Like NASCAR drive. Like how many NASCAR drivers do you see driving with fucking glasses on? Yeah. Like. They they all have to have great vision. It's like being a fucking pilot. Like you have to have split second decision. You have to have great vision so you can see fucking shrapnel on the ground, a piece of somebody's fender. Yeah. Right? Fucking coming at you. That'll kill you if you hit it in the wrong way. So they and have to be aware. He is aware. And they're they're also ignoring that there were other driver accounts where actual sprint car drivers were like, I know how you can see out of those cars. I've driven one. So mm-hmm. Tony Stewart could see him. He could yeah. obviously see him. It's so funny that like whenever any other driver is interviewed, they're like, Tony Stewart killed a guy. <laughs> yeah. There was also this kind of questionable toxicology report that came out in the wake of all this that claimed Kevin Ward Jr. had smoked marijuana and there was enough of it in his system that it could impair his judgment. And... One, that was never presented to the grand jury. So why was it made public? If not to kind of smear Kevin Ward Jr. and make it seem like, hey, this junkie was out there on the track and got killed by drugs. That's exactly right, especially in this fucking sport with the fans of this sport. Yeah, with a very conservative-leaning fan base, that argument is going to be really powerful. And it was. Like, a lot of people heard that and were like, yep. But, like, as someone who smokes a lot of weed, like... Every if, day. Every day, literally. Smoke weed every day. Like, unless Kevin Ward Jr. had smoked weed for the first time that day, smoking weed within five hours, which is what they allege, within five hours of this race, it's not going to impair your judgment that much, if at all. Like, that's not how weed... That's like saying, well, he drank a beer five hours ago. And now he's out here on the track. And it's like, no, that's not how alcohol works. That five hours would be enough time for that not to impair his judgment. And beyond that, would it make you like a a fiery monster that was going to try to beat the shit out of a car? I don't really think so. Yeah, weed doesn't really do that. Yeah, what strain is that? Did he smoke? (laughs) Was there PCP in the weed? I get it if that's the case. Yeah, if he was was getting wet. Yeah. I didn't know you'd get wet. Flying with the angels, baby. But now he is, literally, because he's dead. He's dead, yeah. He's dead. Tony Stewart killed him. And they also never submitted Tony Stewart to any drug or alcohol tests, which is suspect. This This is a quote from Pam Ward, Kevin Ward Jr.'s mother. Our son got out of his car during caution while the race was suspended. All the other vehicles were reducing speed and not accelerating, except for Tony Stewart, who intentionally tried to intimidate Kevin by accelerating and sliding his car toward him, causing the tragedy. That, I think, is the most apt description of what happened. I don't think either you or I really insinuate that Tony Stewart wanted to hit or kill this guy. Nope. But he 100% wanted to humiliate him or scare him. Yeah, that, and that's why... 
we've been saying this whole time that something like manslaughter would have been in order. Like, he wasn't trying to murder anyone. He was trying to be Tony Stewart, and he got really carried away with it, basically. He's a bad boy. And so the family decides to file a civil suit, obviously, against Tony Stewart. And lots of people were deposed and compelled to give statements in the course of that. And there are a couple in particular that I want to focus on. First, here's what Tony Stewart said about hitting Kevin Ward Jr. It was a split second from the time that I saw a person until I got to the person. I attempted to change direction. He also said he hit the throttle, quote, to try to drive the car down to the left to get away from him. How fast was he running towards your car that you needed to hit the accelerator to get away? Can we also say that when he says what he says is in direct contradiction to that DA who said he was driving straight until after the fact? Oh, yeah. Just putting that out there, Tony. Yeah. And the thing about him hitting the throttle, you can hear that in the video. Like if you go back and listen to the video, provided you know, provided you're a car guy like me and Jeff. We're car guys. We're big, big time car guys. Big time car guys. I mean, we are experts. Hurts in this. I kind prefer of stuff. to call them automobiles, which is their science name. Uh, I call them a horseless carriage. Oh, uh, sure. Because sure. I'm retro. That's how long I've been a car guy. Yeah. A horseless carriage guy. <laughs> and yeah, you can hear him hit the throttle in that moment. And that, I think, is the most important detail because you have driver after driver saying, if you're on a sprint, if you're in a sprint car on a dirt track and you hit that throttle at that point where Tony Stewart was, going to make your car fishtail to the right and what was to the right of tony stewart's car kevin ward jr a guy so obviously there was some intent even if not murderous intent tony stewart was trying to do something he was trying to make a statement yeah he's like what i was doing a goof come on who hasn't done a goof just trying to show the guy up a little i'm a bit of a merry prankster you know i gotta (laughs) you know me i'm tony stewart i'm the pranks guy come on Here is a very weird detail to all of this. Uh, There is another really interesting witness who was brought forth to testify or give a deposition in this case. Her name's Jessica Zamkin Friesen, and she is a former girlfriend of Tony Stewart who was competing in the same race and driving behind Tony Stewart when he hit Kevin Ward Jr. And this is what she said. He turned to the right and hit the throttle, which causes the tires to stand up and throw dirt and smoke from them. If he did not hit the gas, the rear of his car would not have gone to the right and hit Kevin. And she also said in her deposition, actually, she said right after the incident that she thought Tony Stewart was trying to scare Kevin Ward Jr. And at one point she was asked if she saw Tony Stewart swerve to avoid Ward. And she said this, no. I saw him go to the right up the embankment closer to Kevin, and I saw him hit the gas. I don't know what he was thinking or what was going through his mind. I just was behind it and saw what I saw. So clearly, Tony Stewart knew what he was doing hitting that throttle. I mean, the hard part is, how do you, how do you judge intent in a situation like this, you know? Yeah, it's a a thing you see in the NFL all the time where 
by the letter of the law, there might be a call that could be called a personal foul or roughing the passer or something. But just by the letter of the law, like if you're looking at intent, like the player's trying to hold up, like he he didn't mean to do it. And in those questions, like if you're not a football player in that moment, you're not really qualified to judge what the intent was there. I think even if you are a football player, you can't really judge the intent. It really is held onto by one person. Right. And that person's going to do everything they can to not go to jail. Yeah. I just, I, I feel like given Tony Stewart's knowledge of sprint cars, I feel like that could have come into play here at some point or should have. He's one of the most famous names in fucking NASCAR. That would be like Wayne Gretzky killing someone on the ice and being like, yeah, but you know, he didn't know what would happen. Yeah. I I didn't feel like pucks were that hard. Yeah. I didn't know my ice skate would do that. You sure did. (laughs) You sure did know that. Yeah. And that, that is kind of the situation here where no one can prove Tony Stewart knew that. And even if no one can really definitively prove that that's what Tony Stewart did. And so civil case basically, because civil cases are easier to prove. Like there's less burden of proof. Yeah. That's like we famously OJ Simpson, you know, criminally not guilty, but civilly very guilty. Yeah. And so this civil case carries on, but unfortunately it never makes it to court because of another very weird twist in this story. Some real soap opera shit rolling up in here now. It really is between the between Tony Stewart's girlfriend or ex-girlfriend driving behind him when this happened to this like it really is some reality show shit as the track turns as the wheel turns. (laughs) (laughs) So the this case never makes it to court because shortly after Kevin Ward Jr. died his on again off again girlfriend comes to the family and was like hey guess what? I'm pregnant. And it is your son's kid. Dun, dun, dun. And that makes this civil case a whole other thing because you're going to get some damages if your adult child is killed. But when a child has their father taken away, the potential damages in that are massive, way bigger, yeah, like substantially bigger. And so they proceed with this case under the idea that, well, like this incident cost a child his father. And what happens at one point during this case is Tony Stewart's lawyers are like, okay, well, uh, how about you take a paternity test? So we can just clear all that up right now. And she takes a paternity test and it turns out the kid is not Kevin Ward Jr.'s. Should not have had Maury Povich be on the bench. It was a bad choice for sure. Judge Maury Povich fucking (laughs) blew it for the wards. And so when that happened, that meant millions and millions of dollars in damages that were on the table are now off the table because there is no child being robbed of their father. In this case, they've just been granted a new father. And I guess we also now know why she was the off again girlfriend. Right. You know, I mean, Mm. we saw what's happening. So... What the Ward family claims happened next is that at this point, the lawyer they'd hired, this personal injury lawyer in Houston named Ken Lanier, who had a history of winning multi-million dollar lawsuits like this, at that point when that paternity test happens and he realizes all this money is off the table now, he immediately demands that they accept an out-of-court settlement 
rather than take the case to trial. And Pam and Kevin Ward had always contended that they weren't really interested in the money and that they would have taken a dollar in damages if it meant the facts in the case were made public during a trial. And what they say happened is once this potential damage amount got reduced, the lawyers were like, all right, you have to take whatever settlement you get or we're not going to represent you. And this is what Mark Lanier says about this, their lawyer. We specifically told her right before settlement that we would try her case if it didn't settle. And I think if it didn't settle is the important line there because he's confirming what they said. Yeah, it's lawyer speak right there. Yeah, that once they got a settlement, he was out. And he doesn't say if they got a settlement that was satisfactory or anything like that. He just says, we told them we would take it to trial if there was no settlement. So there was, and they didn't take it to trial. Hmm. And that's the story of how Tony Stewart killed a guy and faced almost no repercussions for it. Little settlement. Yeah, and they they never disclosed the terms of that settlement. Yeah, I was like looking that up and I couldn't find any information about it. It's uh, it's a whole ass thing. Yeah, and the the family, there's a bunch of interviews with them. Like this obviously ruined their life. And on top of it ruining their life and taking their child away from them, they're never going to get that moment they were looking for, which was the public hearing exactly what happened in this case as the grand jury heard it. And this was and settled in 2018. So this was this is new. This is relatively new um time period. Right. Just so we all know about how long it looks like it was um like early-ish, like uh, around March or April 2018. And Tony Stewart for his part was Tony Stewart as fuck about all of this. For one <laughs> thing in the aftermath, Tony Stewart, the real victim here, publicly questioned whether he'd even return to sprint car racing. This is his, this is the most Tony Stewart quote possible. Yeah. I want to beat the shit out of this statement. It's hurt for 16 months to sit and be scrutinized for it. And to try to give back to a sport that you love. And every time you turn around, you've got to constantly defend yourself for doing something and trying to support something that you believe in and care about. Sounds like he was beating NASCAR. <laughs> yeah. Like this is basically him saying, well, I give a bunch of money to sprint car races. Why, why, yeah. why are you so mean to yeah. me? And now I have to feel bad about killing a guy. Yeah. I can't kill one guy given all the money I give you. Come you know, on. All those Tony Stewart flags in the old, uh, in the old stands there. Huh? Kevin Ward flags weren't out there. Cause I he killed also, him. he also described the, anguish that comes from being told by lawyers that you can't discuss the events of that night, which right there, why, why can't, why not? Why not? What's, what are you at risk of by discussing the yeah. events of that night? The, I mean, I, the lawyers, yeah, are probably like, you can't tell them how you killed that guy. He's like, but I want to tell them. Let I me. want people to know it was so cool. People will never cross me again. This is another quote from Tony Stewart uh, about, the lawyer's telling him he can't discuss the events. It keeps me from moving forward. It just stays there, hanging over my head. I know 100% in my heart and in my mind that I did not do anything wrong. This was 100% an accident. And yeah, it was, but it's one he should have gone to prison over. Yeah, yeah, your heart and mind are wrong, Tony. Yeah, manslaughter is an accident. No yeah. one's disputing that. That's the whole reason it's called manslaughter and not murder. Yeah, it's... uh. <sighs> You know, he's a real piece of shit. 
And it's one of those things, too, where he's going to have fans forever. Of he's course. very good at what he does. He is very bold. He's very out there. But this is one of those things that is going to sort of cost him a lot in his public image because he fucking killed a guy. We can't, you know, it's like we gloss it over and we make jokes about it. But what it really comes down to is this guy being an asshole and a competitive prick killed a guy. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I, I don't know how you can look at all of those accounts from other drivers and not come away from it pretty well convinced that Tony Stewart's actions led to this man's death. Yeah. But uh, that's our episode. That's a sode. Tony Stewart killed a guy. We made it to the Tony Stewart killed a guy episode. Yeah, we are. So now, we're nearing. We're nearing the final turn. Yeah, we're seeing that. That checkered flag is right around the way. Right. That's a, uh, a racing reference. That, those are racing references from two car guys. Because we're a couple of car guys. It's a couple of couple of car car me- mechan- car mechanism pe- experts. Car men. Car experts. Changing my oil. That's a, you can do that yourself, right? I think you can change your own oil. Yeah. I, I mean, I would never do it no. because it puts oil changers out of work. Yeah. Fucking I'm but, an American first. Yeah. Uh, do we have anything to plug before we get out of here? Yeah. I mean, you can check out Sideshow, Sideshow through Sideshow Collectibles every other Tuesday. Uh, that's a lot of fun. It's my uh, solo interview podcast. It's a lot of fun. It's really cool. And uh, you can also check out Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on the Gamefully Unemployed Network. That's all. And then find me uh, on the internet. Uh, on October 9th, you can watch the next Unpops Zoom comedy show with this month's headliner, Matt Lieb. Oh, I love Matt Lieb. Tickets for that will be on sale soon. Check the, the Twitters and, uh, you know, subscribe. Give us, you know, help give us money. Help, help We'd love keep the that. lights on. We would love that for sure. Patreon.com slash Unpops or unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech dot tech oh yeah and i think that's it let's get out of here jeff say goodbye bye goodbye everybody we love you